Chad, hello to you. I, w- I wanted to start by talking about the international portion of the portfolio that you're responsible for, for managing. How do you interact with George, who's responsible for the, for the U.S. equity part? That's a great question, especially considering we're in different locations. As a firm, we have a firm morning call, which happens at, at 7 a.m. every morning. And we actually lead that call off. And, and what that call is predisposed to do is to have a general sharing of information amongst the entire analytical team. So we get the 40 to 50 research professionals on the phone every morning. Uh, We talk about politically, economically, socially, culturally, what's happening both in the states and and what's happening internationally. And the end of that call really is is an interaction that says, given what we're seeing internationally and given what you're seeing domestically, how as a firm can we best take advantage of that information set? And just by way of example, as it pertains to to this portfolio in particular, as a firm, we've long been interested in the payment processing space. And George was meeting with Vantiv here in the U.S., which is one of the larger payment processors. And as part of the normal discourse and part of the normal questioning, we asked Vantiv, strategically, who do you you respect in the world and, and kind of where would you like to take the business? And one of their first responses was, you know, there's this tremendous asset in, in the U.K. named called WorldPay, and we really love their e-commerce business. Well, WorldPay happens to be uh, one of our largest positions in the international strategies and one of the larger positions in this particular strategy. And so there, that cross-fertilization of information that occurs virtually every single day within the halls of select equity is an important part of the process. So the analysts you've got on your team are not channeled to only focus on U.S. securities or only focus on U.K. securities. You give them freedom license to make sure they can bring high-quality ideas into the portfolios? Absolutely. Structurally, the teams are distinct in terms of there's a team of international analysts. There's, there's nine of us, and we obviously have a domestic counterpart that, that's even larger than that. But the way the teams operate is in unison. We're covering the exact same value chains. Uh, we're looking at uh, the exact same high-quality types of businesses. And so if we're working on the payment processing space, you're going to have both domestic and international analysts coming together, doing the meetings together, doing the analysis together, trying to come out with the best potential idea for the portfolios. But really fascinatingly, looking at it from different dimensions. Absolutely. So I wanted to go on and talk about cash levels in the fund, because if we look back through 2016, they were at slightly more elevated levels during the early part of the year. But then I think some some more of that cash was invested. Was that because you were finding what you thought to be attractive investment ideas? Well, it's really the answer is twofold. First of all, as we proceeded through much of 2016, there was a number of very significant events on the horizon that could cause some dislocation in the equity markets. First of all, valuations were becoming a little more stretched, not hugely stretched, but a little more stretched. Uh, We had a very significant, as you know well, uh, vote in the UK in terms of Brexit. We also had... Yes, we know that vote well, yes. (laughs) We also had uh, the US elections coming up, and, and we all know how that ended up. And we had an Italian referendum. Now, that's what we saw in 2016. In 2017, we had a Dutch election coming up and a French election and a German election. So there was a lot of very significant events on the horizon coupled with increasing valuations. Now, what ended up occurring post-Trump's victory was that we saw this great rotation. A lot of the sectors that had struggled had really risen significantly post-election, materials, energy, and financials, financials because of some level of, of hope and optimism around deregulation. And equally, that capital that rotated into those sectors had come from somewhere. Where did it come from? A lot of the quality businesses. 
So as people rotated into lower quality, quality sold off, and that gave us an opportunity to deploy some of that cash that we had on the sidelines as we headed into the beginning of 2017. So we went from closer or to the highest level, probably somewhere around 11% cash balances to as we enter January and February, trimming that back into the high single digit percentages, which is, is roughly where we are today. So the two really interesting things about that, Chad, that, that, that epitomise your process. Firstly, it's patience uh, to wait until the right moment to enter into a stock. And, and secondly, it's the underlying quality of the business that you want to, to consider within your portfolio rather than buying um, stocks where that may have higher leverage, that maybe uh, just lower quality businesses altogether. Right. right. There's always two hallmarks of, of the types of securities we're going to invest in. One, they do have a quality threshold, and, and that quality is displayed through margin structures and returns and through competitiveness of, of the potential mode of the business. And equally, we want to buy those businesses when they trade at a significant discount to intrinsic value. And so we're not going to put capital at risk and shareholders' money at risk when we can't find appropriate ideas relative to those two metrics. And you talked quite a lot about the sort of political dimensions. How much does that influence your your thinking in terms of the attractiveness of individual companies? Well, in a couple of different ways. First of all, you know, we are not macro investors. We are bottom-up, fundamentally oriented investors. But you can't invest in isolation to what's happening in the world. So we're very cognizant of everything going on. Now, as we proceeded through 16 and as we so far through 17, political events do have very significant ramifications to the overall economic growth of, of, of various economies, to the landscape of those economies. And we want to reflect that in how we're valuing the franchises in which we invest. So certainly it's a piece of the puzzle. It influences our derivation of our target prices. But it is not the most important attribute behind which we're investing. So at the end of the day, it will be an influence rather than a driver. Absolutely. It's an input to the process. And equally for us internationally, it's an input to the discount rate we assign to various franchises. Market uh, like Indonesia has a very different risk profile, both politically, economically and socially, versus a market like the U.K., and so we'll have a much higher discount rate for a business in which we are interested in investing in Indonesia versus one that we're interested in investing in the UK. Chad, that's absolutely fascinating. But sadly, that's all we've got time for. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.